0: Welcome to the Creative Agency Account Manager podcast with me, Jenny Plant, from Account Management Skills Training. I'm on a mission to help those in agency client service keep and grow those existing client relationships so your agency business can thrive. Welcome to episode 83. On today's episode, we're talking about the split between the agency account manager and the agency project manager role. This is going to be particularly interesting for you if you're working in an agency with a hybrid account management role, i.e. you're doing both sides of the role currently. You might also be an agency owner who's looking at splitting the roles out and not really sure exactly how each function is going to work together. Kate and Keo from Hallam are brilliant at breaking down what they do. So on today's episode, we talk about how the roles and the skill sets are different, how they work together on projects and retainers, how they manage the client relationship, what friction points can occur and how they overcome them, and their advice for agencies thinking of moving to an AM-PM model. Let's go over to the intro now. Right, today I'm absolutely delighted to introduce Kate Vines and Keo Agogabi from award-winning strategic digital marketing agency, Hallam. Now, Hallam, if you don't know already, was voted Google's best digital agency in 2019. And is the only agency to have been recognized by the drum magazine as the most recommended agency in the UK three times in a row. And basically, the way they do that is based entirely on client feedback and results. So that's quite an accolade to have. Kate is Project Delivery Manager and Keo is Senior Digital Account Manager. Now, I've invited them on the show today to talk about the role of account manager and project manager. It's a topic that keeps coming up time and time again and how they work together in an agency. So a very warm welcome, Kate and Keo.
1: Thank you.
2: Yeah, good good to be here.
0: So listen, can we start off by introducing yourself separately? I just want to know kind of how long you've been at Hallam, your role at Hallam, and actually what you did before you got to Hallam. And I'm particularly interested to see if either of you have had a hybrid kind of role before. So Kate, could we start with you?
1: Yes, certainly. All right, so I'm Kate Vines, um, pronouns she, her. I'm currently a project manager at Hallam. I've been here around two years, coming up to two years in the summer. Now, Hallam was actually my first digital agency and my first pure PM role. So previously, I've kind of worn many hats. Roles that I've had before arriving at Hallam started life as an in house designer, creative lead, then went on to do studio management. That's where I kind of found my niche in telling people what to do, <laughs> and then the kind of my move into the agency world was when I was studio managing a video and animation agency, and that really was a fairly hybrid role that I was working there. Small agency, big clients, and my responsibilities were doing a bit of kind of scheduling, traffic management, project management, and quite light touch account management, but. I was quite client-facing on a lot of projects that were coming through the studio. I kind of feel once I've stumbled across project management, I'm a very organized person. I like structure. I like discipline. And it felt like a natural fit. And that was the side of things that I particularly enjoyed. So whilst I do enjoy the kind of the schmoozing and the account management side of things, to some extent, my strengths, I feel, are a bit more behind the scenes and a bit more in working internally with the team and getting things done and then analyzing budgets and schedules. That's the kind of stuff that I enjoy and I feel that I can bring to the role at Hallam. So I still hand over to Keo.
2: Cheers. Thanks, Kate. But yeah, I mean, I've been at Hallam now just over two years. So I mean, my background is very varied. So I've worked in many different kind of assets of account management. I mean, the full spectrum of done roles, which have been very hybrid and touched on a little bit of project delivery and account management. But Hallam's probably the first one we had, which solely allowed me just to focus on the more kind of account growth, account development, client building aspects of account management, whereas before it was very broad and very generalist. So, I mean, both of them have very different skills and competencies. So it's nice actually to be able to be in a position where you can just solely focus on what the client's needs are and building those relationships, building that trust, understanding them and being able to obviously kind of work towards their goals and show how the business can deliver upon that. So yeah, really, I mean, before Hallam, I've worked in full service agencies. I've worked in packaging design, market research, so very different disciplines all within that kind of agency world. So before that, I've had a a built up a a brief understanding of what digital was. But this is the first time at Hallam that's been purely kind of focused on the digital role. But I kind of see myself as a a Freddie Flint of the cat management world. It's kind of like I've got a very broad skill set. I'm good at ball. I know how to do lots of very different things. So it's nice to be able to obviously kind of be a a specialist in digital account management and, you know, just focus on that now.
0: Lovely. You both look so actually so energized to be doing something that you both feel that you've got like a flow with. Kate, you described, you know, I just feel that I love organization and I'm doing something that I finally feel. And you actually use the word relief. Keo, that, you know, is finally I can just do this. I'm just curious before I move on to the other questions, let's come to you, Keo, because you described it as being relieved or similar. What was in your previous roles? Because you're both multifaceted, obviously. Yeah. In your previous roles to being pure account manager, was there any moments where you felt like it wasn't your flow? And if so, what were those moments? When you were expected to be the project manager as well as the account manager?
2: I mean that's it because it, again, you're asking to do very distinct things which are very different, and almost individually, both of them take up so much time and require so much attention and require very different elements of you that sometimes it's virtually impossible to you know manage the two of them and have that equilibrium and make them both work. So if you purely focus on delivery. Then, you know you need to be organized you need to work the timelines you need to coordinate internal teams you need to manage budgets you need to you know have status reports and those things take a lot of time and if you're really fully focused in that you can't then do the more strategic elements that is looking at the bigger picture and having that time to you know, i mean build account plans and you know growth plans and write proposals to focus on opportunities or to prepare quarterly business reviews and meetings with your clients so that's it. So you kind of take him from one and, you know what I mean, you're neglecting both of them. You can't give them both the due care and do them to the best of the abilities if you are having to do, you know what I mean, have a generous role and do both of those. and expect them to do it to a good standard. Ultimately, you can keep both of them afloat, but you're never really going to exceed and deliver in one of them.
0: And I think this is what has proven with agencies that want to grow. It's that impossible task that the account manager has been also set. So I think listening to that from an account manager's point of view, if there's listeners out there listening to you saying that, they're probably standing up and cheering. So yes, it's impossible. So Kate, back to you. How would you describe the differences in the roles in your own words?
1: So I'd say at Hallam, the differences are primarily that the project managers are responsible for making sure everything happens on time and on budget, that there are key kind of pointers that we need to be focusing on. We are a little bit more behind the scenes on a lot of projects that the, sorry, on retainers were a little bit more behind the scenes on projects. We are more client facing just because there's a lot more back and forth and a lot more PM involvement needed on those. So a web build, for example, we need to know what's going on at any given time. The AM role for me, I rely on the account manager to have an eye in the future. So they're looking in the future at the relationship, the account growth potential, the sales, that's the, where their strengths lie. Their strengths lie in building that relationship, making those connections and fundamentally making the sales that make us a profitable organization. My role is to have a little bit of an eye in the future, but from a much more logistical task planning, I want the cadence of the work to flow as planned. So I'm looking in the future purely, I need to get this thing done by then. Whereas the account manager looking at the much bigger picture, the strategy, the, all, all that kind of thing, I see the PM role as facilitating great work in whatever way we can. And for me, that is making sure that everyone's got the time, the space, the budget to do great work for their client. That way I can leave all the other stuff to the account manager. And that does include the difficult conversations. As a project manager, I report into an account manager, this this is going wrong, This, this is happening. Then it's their job to choose how to handle that conversation because there may well be conversations that I'm not aware of that have been going on with the relationship with the client. I don't want to go in with my size eights, you know, delivering news that isn't great. Whereas an account manager has the full picture on the relationship and they can choose how to manage a certain situation and whether that we just, you know, if it's something that's going over budget, they can make the call on whether we just absorb it or whether the client needs to be kind of informed and, and paying for things. So yeah, account managers, eye on the future, relationship, project managers, in the zone, getting stuff done.
0: What a great explanation. Thank you so much. Quite interesting, the fact that you touched on difficult conversations and how that is managed internally, because presumably, Keo, your take on that, if Kate brings you a problem to say, look, we've got a case of scope creep here, or we've gone over budget with spend, then you make that shout, that call as to whether how we handle it. Is that
2: right? Yeah, pretty much so. I mean, it's my job to obviously make that decision and think, you know, what is the best, not only route for us. I mean, first and foremost, you need to think about the business and obviously protect Hallam and their interests needs. But also, again, you have to find that nice balance with the client as well. So the decision rests in terms of, you'll know, be right. If we do X, what does that mean? Does it have severe implications for us or the client? So it's just about using intuition based on what you know, the relationship, and ultimately what you want to get out of it. And it's just thinking you know, what do we do best? And, you know, I mean, relying on the people around you and just making the best informed decision you can do.
0: Yeah. Good point. You mentioned earlier on Keo that your role specifically included things like, you know, looking at the bigger picture, coming up with the account plans, running QBRs. What else are you doing in your AM role?
2: Good question. I think Kate touched on a good point before, which adds another layer of complexity. It is as well as the different types of clients and relationships that you have. So you have project-based clients where, you know, you have to remove that client for a limited amount of time. So the ultimate goal is delivering what they've paid and what they've signed up for. And then you have retained clients, which you work with them for a much longer period of time. Again, there's much more scope and allowance to grow and think about the future and plan that partnership together. So really what my job really is, again, spending that time, investing my time into the client Understanding opportunities, understanding where they're going and allowing myself just to be immersed in their business. So, actually, keeping your eyes on the ground. Is there anything that you've seen in the media that is pertinent to the client or, you know, spending some time doing some research and looking at insights, looking at competitive trends of things happening in the market and thinking, right, this is a great that client X would really love and something that they would enjoy. So, forwarding those insights onto them just to show them that you're thinking about them. You know, you've got your ears on the ground, you're looking out things that will benefit and you know i mean they can use in their role and also about their business it's using your time again and also sharing insights from other clients we don't do it enough there are instances where things might be working really well on another particular client and we don't necessarily share it it's almost like sometimes there is that reluctance or scaredness think this is confidential i can't say that but there's ways within which you can use those methods those wins and golden nuggets to benefit other clients because they like hearing that I think we just need to be a bit more bolder and braver with that because ultimately that's your job to you know, I mean, use the best parts of what's happening to other clients for the ones that you're working with and vice versa. If things aren't going well, it's using, I mean, learnings of ways in which you can improve that and, you know, driving improvements for those clients as well. So that common knowledge, using it in different contexts and different clients to make improvements and ultimately keep everyone happy and deliver.
0: I agree with you. I think, you know, part of the benefit of working with an agency from a client's perspective is that you are working with other clients and you are at the cutting edge of what's changing, what's happening. You are able to kind of look at the patterns that are emerging, the new tech that's being used. So absolutely 100% agree with you. I'm curious because obviously that's the way you break down you know, who works on what. It seems to be a specific case of if it's a short-term project, then the PM will be kind of very heavily involved. If it's retainer, the PM takes a slightly backward seat, you know, organising everything in the background while the account manager leads that relationship into the future. There'll be agency owners listening who perhaps say, well, that wouldn't suit my business because we're only on project by projects. Like you know, we work with a client maybe for a few years, but they haven't signed up to a retainer. They come to us with a specific project. Maybe it's a refresh of a campaign. And then another one is to update their intranet system or, you know, do some positioning work. So what are your thoughts on agency owners listening, thinking perhaps it isn't right for me to split out the roles because of that?
1: I think that, I mean, obviously when you're working on, shorter term projects with a start and a finish date never underestimate the potential for further work with those clients even if you know it could be a year-long project or whatever the way we work at Hallam the project manager on those projects it's still very much to do with delivering the tasks within that scope we will have an account manager assigned to projects and the way we work at Hallam is that I would be chatting to the account manager and saying, well, oh, this has just popped up in a conversation. I don't think they're fully set up in X, Y, Z. And maybe we should have a chat with them about that thing. And then it's over to them because, I mean, cards on the table. I'm not a salesperson. I don't have great selling skills. I can spot opportunities. Then I will feed into the account manager or sales and say, can you pick up this conversation with the client and just go, you know, Dig a bit deeper as to what they have in place at the moment, what they might need. I mean, the dream is that you then end up getting them on a retainer for another piece of work. But it's all, you still need someone looking after the relationship whilst the project manager is focusing on delivering the project within the timescale that's needed. Because if we get bogged down in the relationship, then there's a danger that the project might drift. And actually what they're paying you for is the project. So I think there is definitely a need for both, even if you are working on kind of less retainer based work and again the difficult conversations are are handled by the account manager in those situations so anything that falls out of scope the account manager can pick that up which then means there's no compromise on the project there's no delay to the project because i can feed in and say okay they've asked for this it's out of scope can you do all the paperwork and the conversation and get the po etc cetera? I need to focus on making sure that the work is still happening in the background. So I think there's a definite need for both, even on those kind of projects.
0: I 100% agree with you. I was kind of asking you because I wanted to hear it from someone else, but I've had account managers come on my course who are on project by project with majority of their clients and absolutely you can still look for opportunities. And that was a really good point that you've made that the PM, even though they might not be there kind of looking for cross-sell, upsell opportunities and ways to add value to the client, you are spotting opportunities through the conversations that are being had. So absolutely 100% agree with you. So can you sort of talk me through both of you, sort of paint a picture of the moment you get the client, like the sales team maybe have just closed the sale. Keo, I'd love to know kind of from your perspective, how soon do they introduce you to the client relationship? Are you involved in that final pitch stage so that you can build that rapport? And from the moment you get the client, talk me through both of you each step of a process, let's take the retainer relationship, for example, who does what? How do you divide the tasks?
2: I think you made a good point there. I mean, that as early as possible is the best time to be involved with the new client. So even if it is behind the scenes, it's understanding that and being immersed as quickly as possible. So when it's time to step up, you are ready, you know about them. You can then introduce yourself and almost have that instant connection because you're taking the time to understand what's been sold in, what you delivering. And then allow you positions off for someone that's already understands that and is the right person to take them forward. So yeah, once that pitch has been done and the sales team are then waiting to hear feedback, that is when I get the notification that, you know, we're at the final pitch stage. This could be an opportunity that could land. You know, you've been earmarked as the person, does the account manage to be on that account? So that is then the time that I start to come board. And from that moment, it does get signed off and we get the notification that we have won that business. That is the time when the account management period stops because you've won that business. You're in that period with the clients happy, they've made you them insurance that you're the right person to take them forward. So from that moment onwards, you're being judged. It's almost kind of like that's when they start expect to receiving. So that's when you need to firstly and foremost are most vulnerable. It's all about assuring them, reinsuring them, giving them that confidence that they've made that right decision. And that's when this first part of the process starts, it is that onboarding. So it's then, if you wasn't part of the pitch team and you're now being the person that's been tasked with managing that and part of the delivery team, then it's getting the good brief, understanding what has been sold in, what are the clients expecting and what ultimately is the goals that you're working towards. So that is then doing the preparation, make sure everyone's brief, everyone understands that. You then have that initial kickoff call with a client. So it's understanding this is what we're gonna deliver for you. This is what the next three, six, nine, twelve 12 months looks like. This is how we're gonna communicate. This is all the things that you're gonna expect from the agency that you just signed up with. And it's very important to do that because then you build that strong foundation. You both have that accountability. You understand what exactly is going to come from this point onwards. So that then, you know what I mean, there's not going to be any ambiguity. They know how to call you, when to call you, when to expect meetings, when to expect reports. And it's just, you know, that important process of having that peace of mind and knowing what to expect and, you know, building that instant connection with that agency and, you know, having that roadmap to, you know what I mean, work towards.
0: Love that. Just one quick question. On that kickoff call, is yeah. the sales team involved in that meeting or have they already sort of disappeared and passed the baton over to you?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. So we we'll always have the sales team will always admit an introduction. And again, make it absolutely clear that if there isn't, usually when the pitch stage, tell the client, you know I mean, the likelihood of, you know, this is what's going to be your delivery team. So the people that are pitching it might not necessarily be the people that are the long term, you know what I mean, members of that team. So there shouldn't really be anything new or anything unexpected. And you shouldn't be selling client dreams and hopes that aren't going to be materialized. So <laughs> yeah. clients should really expect that. And, you know, I mean, be a part of that. And, you know, that is it. It's just making sure those people understand that. And show sure them again, you know, I mean, everything that's been mentioned, that bitch, we've read it. Even though there were people that weren't physically there with you in the room. We know exactly what has been said. Usually we record most pitch sessions if they've been done online as well. So it's a chance for us to watch them over. Again, not necessarily look at things cold and pitch decks, understanding how it was contextualized and discussed in conversation during that pitch moment. So all the things that you might not necessarily get from what's on the slides on face value, you understand the conversations and what's been said in between the agency and the client. So you've got that full picture and understanding.
0: Great tip right there. Thank you, Keo. And Kate, talk me through your role from the kickoff call.
1: It's very similar to Keo, except it'll be weighted in different ways, depending on whether it's a project or retainer. But fundamentally for a project manager on that client kickoff call, we will have had internal sales handover beforehand. So sales will have fed into us, like Keo said. But when it's the client kickoff call, it's so important that the client understands what each of us are there for. You know, they're sat there thinking, I'm paying two people here. What? Why? They need to understand what we're bringing, what we're protecting, what we're looking after for them, what we're taking ownership of, who they need to contact. Who, you know, For a project, it'll be right, your project manager is the person, your day-to-day contact. That's the person you need to go to first. On a retainer, it's more likely to be the account manager. So the client needs absolute clarity on who to go to for what. And then... The other kind of key thing from those client kickoffs is for us to dig a bit deeper if there are any gaps that we're not sure of. So we've had the sales handover, we've done some research, it's getting absolute clarity that you're all on the same page. And clients don't mind going over things that they've covered in a pitch if it's done in the right way. And if it's like, can we just confirm that this is your priority and these are the timelines that we're working to? I know you've discussed this on the pitch, but I just want to make sure that you understand X, Y, Z. And we also kind of try and nail down the reality. So something might have been sold in with a particular timescale. It's then my job to manage expectations and say, you know, we can deliver it in a 12-week period. But you know we'll have to find out from you whether you're on holiday for three months. And then I will confirm the timeline to you. So it's all about managing expectations, ways of working, clarity for the client as to who's doing what. And then after the client kickoff call, we'll have an internal kickoff call. And that's really when we start to talk about who's doing what, what responsibilities we're going to take on as from an AM, PM perspective. On a project, it'll often be you know, I've got this, I'll come to you account manager as and when I need you. On a retainer, it could be things like, you know, Kate, can you set up internal squad syncs every week? Can you set up client by weeklies? Or sometimes the account manager likes to do that. So they've got ownership of that and that can happen kind of, it varies on account to account with me and it's kind of what the account manager's happiest owning and what they want me to back them up with and support with.
0: Love that. This is so useful. Thank you so much. Just curious, how do you explain to the client and justify your roles? Just give us your usual sort of patter of, you know, what you say and how you differentiate them in front of the client. How do they not then come back and say, well, hang on a minute, I'm paying for all
1: this, you know? I think because we are able to One of them is very much more weighted than the other on projects versus retainers. So I think that's quite useful for the client is they're not paying for two big people. They're paying for an account manager with a bit of project management support, or they're paying for a project manager with a bit of account management support. I'll kind of cover the project side of things, and then I'll hand over to Keo to explain a bit more on retainers about how that works. But on the project, it will be very much me saying, I'm going to make sure your work gets delivered. I'm going to monitor the budget. I'm going to get back to you. I'm going to unblock anything that's blocked. I'm going to keep you in the loop, status updates every week. And then the account manager, they're here to look after your relationship. If you've got any concerns, anything that you want to talk to them about, that's the person you you need to speak to. If there's anything you want to talk to them about the kind of future work, that's the person you need to speak to. And you kind of just divvy it up so that, the account manager is protecting the brief. They're the kind of go-between between sales and the actual project in, in some extent. So, so they're protecting that side of things and I'm protecting the actual tasks getting done. So that's how we do it on projects. Keo is slightly different on retainers, but just flick reverse a little bit really, isn't it?
2: Yeah, pretty much so. And you made a good point there, Kate. It's again, clients need to understand they're not paying for it in AM slash or PM. It's the paying for client services and it's our job to ensure they get the best client service experience. And that's why they've been assigned two people to help with that fundamental goal of giving them a good client experience. And, you know, it's almost, I'll use the analogy, if you pay for a builder to build a front porch, should it really matter if he brings three people to that job or one person to that job. Ultimately, if your porch is going to get delivered to the high standard, to the spec, to the cost that you've agreed, you know, and that is it. Again, he's going to make that job as efficient and give you the best, I mean, the best end product based on the, the team that he's got available to him. And that's the way clients should see it. You know, we're both here to ultimately deliver what you need. And to make sure your experience at Hallam is the best possible. So we've both got different roles to ensure that happens.
0: Love that. And great analogy. So let's just talk about the project where, Kate, you're very much in the driving seat. If, you know, the project is going on, Keo's in the background sort of as the point person for the relationship, any issues, any further work you want to talk about, how can then Keo with that project client be proactive with spotting growth opportunities or is it your job Kate to feed back to Keo hey by the way because Keo would you put in the effort to kind of look at the client you know from the things you said previously the market the competitors like are we assuming here because Presumably, clients come in different shapes and sizes. Their initial projects might be small, but the client itself might be vast. They might have multiple offices, multiple divisions, blah, blah, blah. So there could be a great opportunity. So how can you insert yourself, Keo, when Kate's in the driving seat?
2: You make a very good point. And this just comes down to the relationship that we have as AM and PM. And it's not as linear as what we say it is. So there are instances where Kate is more on the ground. She's in those meetings. She has those chats with the client, and she might spot something here. And then areas light up, thinking, "Do you know what this could be? An opportunity or something, or is there a problem out there that they need solving?" And that's when then we'll talk to each other and she might ask me, "Look, the client has specified a need for this." this is something which they want. What are your thoughts on it? And then I can then talk to Kate and say, right, what I would do is X, Y, Z, or this could be an opportunity. What I would then do is talk to them about this. And it's then at that point, Kate might bring me in and we'd have that conversation. Or again, it's something that I mean, she's got that really good relationship with that client. They've got that rapport. They've really got that bond and the client trusts them. Then likewise, we can arm her with the tools to have that conversation. So it's just about ensuring the final goal is the same. It's just about how you get there and who delivers it is sometimes what might differ. But ultimately, again, it's sometimes the dynamics that will have to evolve much more than what they are on their limitations and, you know, being the linear of account manager or project manager.
1: It's also worth noting that, Hallam, a lot of our work will start off with a research piece, a discovery piece, a strategy piece before we start doing the actual thing. So that is such a valuable period of time. So you've got our strategy team interviewing, researching, or the experience team user testing. And that's when you find those little trinkets, those little opportunities that start to emerge. And we are at Hallam, because we'll all be on a, we call it a squad. So the team that's working on that project, we'll have regular updates and regular catch-ups. And it's those catch-ups where someone will say, well, this popped up in an interview. And then it's over to the account manager to kind of Have that conversation with the client and see if there's an opportunity there or it might be something they're already covered with someone else somewhere else. But it's a much bigger picture than just client services on those kind of things. It's also using the team that are hands on delivering the work because they are also able to spot gaps, holes, opportunities. So it's the whole shebang
0: What tools do you use to keep in contact with each other? Because this has got to be fluid, hasn't it? Like, can you recommend any ways of kind of keeping each other up to date?
1: Primarily, we use Slack just because we are a hybrid remote-first agency. So we've got people working all over the world. So Slack is a great way and we'll have a channel per client. So we'll have a client channel and a squad channel, internal channel. So that's your ways of communicating so that everybody can see the conversation. It's also very valuable to have regular catch-ups. We have a, a client services catch-up once a week. And we'll have internal calls to kind of discuss the status of the project. And depending on how many accounts you've got with one particular account manager and how complex they are, a weekly catch up with the account manager can be really valuable if it's needed. There's been times when I've had three or four accounts with one account manager and we'd have half an hour a week just to blitz through it and a bit of a, oh, that's going on with that client and an update from both sides. But that's not always necessary if it's just you know one account and it's running itself. It's nice and straightforward. Then normally just Slack comms are sufficient.
0: Right. And you're not in, let's say, pods. So it's like business units. Do you have business units? Kate, for example, you've said a couple of times, I'm not always working with the same account manager. So presumably when the agency is assigning work, it could be whoever's free rather than we're going to put it into this business unit where Kate works with Keo all the time and they might have like a subject matter expert, like a strategist. So they run a business unit. So am I right in thinking that it's allocated on availability suitability experience etc
2: yeah certainly it's not just one thing it like you said you've explained it completely well there isn't much more to add to that and that's exactly it depends on the person's experience you know if it's a core competency that they've got or experience in a brand project then it makes sense to put them on it albeit subject to whatever capacity that they've got you know what i mean and the time the client lands it's yeah down to a number of things rather than just being one thing
0: And Keo, could we talk about briefly retainers? You mentioned quarterly business reviews. Can you spend a couple of minutes just talking about how you run a QBR? What value does the client see in the QBR? Because I think that would be interesting to talk about.
2: Yeah, QBRs are great because we have them every three months. And the result of that is to spend a day with the clients. We we always encourage clients to come up to our office or we go to their office to do them. And you have that face-to-face time because it's good just to have that personal connection, you have that face-to-face and be amongst them whether they're at our office or their office because it builds so much more for the leadership than, again, doing these things online or through, I mean, through a kind of Zoom sessions. So that's one thing we always encourage. But ultimately, you want to spend that, just that one day to almost start, pause, reflect on the previous few months, what worked really well, you know, what I mean what didn't go so well, what did you set out to do? Because there's always objective. You always, you know what I mean, have that focus of what we're going to deliver this in the next three months. So it's a time to reflect on that, like, did you achieve what you want to achieve? If not, why didn't you achieve that? So the retro and kind of looking back on the past three months is very important. there's also that time to then spend the session and the remaining of the day thinking forward and that's the emphasis that we like to do most it's that future thinking so what are the client's objectives are we still working towards them what has changed in the last three months how have you had a new marketing product or a new product launch or a new service that's more personal to you now do we need to change our approach to adapt to that how is your market doing because it could be an instance where your market's booming and you find the client finds future opportunities. That one they never understood or never expected to get before. So how can we pivot time and focus into that to deliver them? Because that's what's going to get you the best reward. It's a really good area of opportunity. And so yeah, so we spend the time to really strategizing, bring the strategy team on board. All the team gets together. We look at the bigger picture, wider market. We look at insights. We do some competitive benchmarking. We then look at opportunities and brainstorm ideas. And it's a great chance for the internal teams to come together to really talk about their experiences and you know how their service area is doing ways in that they can help the client and really get those ideas together and it just allows that client just that one day every three months to you know think about how business is doing maybe you know look at things that are not getting spotted and just stop reacting and doing the day-to-day and just think about the bigger picture and have some time with the agency to talk and I mean, bounce ideas off each other
0: Love that. So it tends to be a full day, does it, where you can visit in person?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it all depends on the client size, of the client budgets, but the bigger clients, we can spend a full day and we have some lunch and, you know, make a really good day about it and get some guest speakers. There might be people within the Allen business that could, again, that have got something to say to them that would be very valuable to their business. We so could have a, someone from content talk about some great blogs or some great insights there, or the technical team that have done a really good report. So it's that chance, really, to give them different areas of the business that they not I mean, not necessarily have experienced before, don't have part of their daily offering, but ultimately we're adding value. So what can those people bring to give them something that they don't already have?
0: A couple of quick questions. Kate, presumably you don't typically attend the QBRs.
1: I've attended a few. It very much depends on how involved I am in the account, how many hours are assigned to me. It can be useful for me just to have a bit of an overall picture of what's going on, but it's not strictly necessary. So it would be one that kind of on an ad hoc basis, depending on how involved I am in the retainer itself, but generally not.
0: Gotcha. And one quick question before I go on to the final question, Keo, Do you find that more senior client stakeholders attend those quarterly business reviews who are not perhaps involved in the more kind of day-to-day kind of running of the projects?
2: They do. I mean, that's a very good question, they do. So generally all the day-to-day contacts would be there, but most accounts, the structure, you do have a senior director who is informed and, you know, might want to see the monthly reports, but is very distant on the day-to-day comms that does attend. And that's ultimately what we want to do on the QBR is it's getting as many people that have a vested interest in the relationship, in the retainer as part of that, because there's so much that they can bring and help us in order to strategize. And ultimately from the QBR, the ultimate thing is you want to get decisions. So it's all well and good brainstorming ideas and thinking about things that you could do. You do then want to be in a position where somebody says, yeah, that's something that we can do. You know what I mean, it makes sense. There's a business case for it. Let's do it or let's run with it. Or ultimately not. If it's a bad idea, it's best to shoot it down as quickly as possible. There's no point wasting energy and time to it. If that one person at the top thinks, Do you know what, this is completely the way off. It's a waste of time. So yeah, really, it, I encourage as many senior people to get involved in it. Cause ultimately, you're paying a lot of money for a retainer and you know services from an agency. So why wouldn't you want to spend one day of your, it you're asking for four days of the year, really. So I'm sure you've got that time.
0: Great point. Okay, so question for both of you. What friction points do you find occur between the AM and PM working together?
1: I, I could go on this one. Okay, it, it tends to be, and it's sales and AM that we tend to have this friction point with. It tends to be when a project or a retainer has been sold in with unrealistic timescales or an unrealistic budget. Friction point probably seems to me, it's a little bit stronger word than I would normally associate with it because it's so easy to navigate and so easy to kind of work around. So when that does happen, we did have an instance fairly recently with where Keo had sold in a job and had given some timelines to the client. And all it was, was, you know, I popped on Slack. These are the risks associated with doing that because we haven't checked the schedule. So we don't know whether we can deliver it or not. So you know, Hallam's all about learning. So it's kind of like explaining the risks attached. Then actually, when I went away and booked the work in, Keo had been a superstar and had included enough contingency in those dates that we were able to, there was a little bit of jiggery-pokery that had to happen, but fundamentally we managed to schedule it in within the timescales that he'd given. And when it comes to budget, I think there has to be, An understanding from the PMs really that sometimes in a sales and account management role, sometimes they are going to have to squeeze the budget a little bit. And we have to just try and work around that and try and agree on a way to book the work in that's not compromising the quality of the work. It's not stressing the team out, but it's still profitable. And the way we manage that at Halland really is we just need to know that somebody has approved a discount, somebody has approved a different profit target. On this account, we make a note of it because as PMs, we're measured on the profitability of the projects that we work on. So if the profitability isn't where it should be, we've just got a record that actually, if you remember, we sold this in because there was a real potential for client growth here and we wanted to get that sale in. So it was worth doing a 5% discount because actually, we're going to work with these people again and again and again. So key friction points really are budget and timings, but nothing that's unsurpassable.
0: And does that mean that you typically, Kate, like Keo maybe have had that conversation, but would you systematically usually develop cost estimates and timelines? Like With, whose job is it?
1: It can kind of start from either of us, depending on how busy people are. But we basically ask the team to estimate the tasks that are involved in the work, in the job. And then as a project manager, we need to check that. We'll put it onto the system just as a kind of double check to make sure all the correct rate cards are applied and there's been no errors. You know, spreadsheets can sometimes throw spanners in work. So we'll put it on the system, make sure that it's all on budget. So that sits with the project manager. And then again, the project manager will put together the timelines because it's very easy for an account manager to kind of look in isolation at oh, you know, that person's available, I'll book the work in. But actually, as project managers, we're a small team of three project managers at Hallam. Every week we're having planning meetings. So we know the bigger picture. We know what might be about to land with that person that's kind of earmarked, but not in the schedule yet. So the project manager very much look after that scheduling, timelining, and I'll just report into Keo and give him the timeline, the dates that he needs to communicate with the client, or I'll just go direct to the client and deal with it directly with them.
0: Right. So just to clarify, coming up with the actual estimate itself and looking at who's available and who needs to be involved in the project, you kind of do that together, that kind of thinking, and then who actually kind of solidifies it into a cost estimate format and then sends it to the client. Could it be either of you?
1: It tends to be the account managers, doesn't it, Cleo? Yeah.
2: yeah. So, yeah, we're the ones that kind of work with the, the calculators and the cost sheets and do the initial estimates and, you know what I mean, put times on the different practical things, like how long the job's going to be and roughly what the cost is. And then, yeah, kind of then, you know what I mean, do the detail.
1: Often the account manager has a vague idea of what kind of budget the client has in mind whereas the project manager might not be as close to that information so i would just be taking the estimates from all the teams and going back here you go client here's your forty five pound project and they'd be like actually you know that's we're thinking 30 whereas if it's going through the account manager they can have a look and they'll be like okay we need to scale this back somewhere because they're not going to spend £45,000. They haven't got that much money. So that's why it's better coming from and via the account manager at that point.
0: Gotcha. Thank you for that clarification. Just quick question before I get onto the final question. I know I keep saying that. You said, Kate, that you were measured on profitability. Yes. Is there any compensation attached to that? Or is it just an internal measure of kind of successful project delivery?
1: It's just an internal measure. At Hallam, we do have a bonus scheme. However, it is across the board, if we meet target, everyone gets the same amount, which I actually feel works really well because then everyone's pulling together for the same end goal. There's no kind of internal competitiveness. So I think that works really well. And it's worth noting, these are our internal goals that we have to meet. We are never kind of disciplined on not meeting a specific percentage because as anyone in the agency world will appreciate Things happen, things come left to field, out of scope work, you might be able to charge for it, it might be a precarious relationship with the account, so you you might not be able to charge everything that you, you should be able to charge for. There's so many things that can pop in. We just make sure as project managers that we note these down. We learn from them. That's the key thing. And all the time, it's not making a note of things so that we can finger point and say, that's where it went wrong. It's actually next project. Let's make sure that when people are signing the contract, they're aware of this. And it's so that every single time we are improving how profitable we can be just by tightening things up at the earlier stages of a project. Love that. Great points. Thank
0: you so much. Listen, final question, I promise. Any advice I'd like to hear from both of you for an agency owner who perhaps is, they're at that point in growth where they're considering having a separate AM and PM, and maybe up to this point, they've had a hybrid account manager. And- You know, initially, and you've probably experienced this yourself, that there may be some teething problems while they get this kind of rhythm going. What advice would you give to them generally that they're on the fence? Maybe they're looking at it, but haven't quite decided or a bit worried about how that's going to work. What are your words of wisdom for them?
2: I would just say just focus on building competency. You want an agency that is diverse and broad. has many different skill sets to tackle all the different potentials and possibilities of what you're going to face in terms of the clients and the different situations. So having people that can do different roles and different elements of those to a very good standard and are experts in each individual one is only going to benefit you because you're going to be well-armed to tackle anything that could come your way. So that's the first thing. And secondly, I would almost treat account management like it would any different discipline. So you know, a UI designer is very different from a UX designer than a graphic designer or illustrator. You wouldn't generalize all those in the same way a paid media specialist is different to a paid social specialist. So again, it's just all about recognizing that their differences and competencies within client services are just the same. Account managers are very good at doing what they do because to a very different skill set to a project manager. So just recognizing and appreciate the diversity and they both have very different distinct skill sets and strengths and weaknesses. And it's good to have a mix of those because it's going to benefit you longer term.
0: Love that.
1: Great. Kate, anything to add? I think Keo nailed it. I think it's worth noting that you know, I would challenge any business to not become more profitable if you have an account manager and project manager working on accounts. I think you're just looking after all aspects, I think, from a Future proofing perspective as well. You've got an account manager there making sure that the work is coming in, that your pipeline is filled up, whilst the project manager is making sure that the stuff is happening. I think once you've made that jump and made the decision to go into account manager, project manager separately, the key bit of advice I would say is define your responsibilities. Between the two roles, but don't be afraid to deviate from them on a case by case basis because you want to play to strengths and each individual will have strengths and weaknesses in different areas. So, your account management and project management team need to just communicate with each other as to what they're picking up and what roles they're doing on each account. So, yeah, define responsibilities, make sure the client's aware of who's there and why they're there. And I don't think you can go wrong. Lovely.
0: What a great piece of advice. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to say before we sign off?
2: Good question. It's like, not really, no, nothing that jumps out. Yeah, to me, sorry. No, that's the one, the most toughest question you've asked all. (laughs) Do
1: you know what? I think there's probably one last little bit, and that's the account management project management team. It's a bit like making a boy band or a girl band I think you've got to have different characters different personalities and you've all got to understand each other and work well with each other in your own different ways because you can't be a bunch of robots and you want to be able to assign the right people to the right accounts that are going to bring the right personality to that account but you've all got a job to do and you've all got to communicate and get on with it so think of it like you're making a boy band (laughs) love that analogy great way to finish thank you so much
0: and listen thank you so much to both of you i know this is a you know commitment of time and i really appreciate it i know how valuable this is going to be so thank you so much
1: thank you
2: yes thanks having us
0: i hope you enjoyed my chat with kate and Keo. and if you're not familiar with agencies having separate pm and am teams I hope it's helped clarify things for you. As Keo said, the pure account management role is very much about understanding the client's business, market, looking proactively at how the agency can bring more value and having those client improvement conversations. And if that's something that you'd like to improve your skills in, you can go to my website, accountmanagementskills.com and book a quick call with me to see if training might be the right fit for you or a member of your team. I'll see you on the
1: next one.